and the lack of fruit is the evidence of the lack of health of the tree. And the same thing is true with the fruit of the Spirit. So let's remember the second thing, that these, this is not our fruit. It is the Spirit's fruit in our lives. We cannot produce this fruit on our own and thereby have to rest in, abide in, trust in, be connected to the Spirit to bear this fruit. Third thing to notice, final thing to notice about fruit is that it's singular. The word here is singular. It's not the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience. It's the fruit of the Spirit is. It's all singular. And it really stands out. It really stands out in Greek. It doesn't so much in English because we rarely say fruits in English. But it is a singular word here. He could have made the nouns plural. He could have made the verb plural, but he didn't. They're both singular here. And that is extremely significant. We believe that God inspired not just the general message of the Bible, but God inspired the very words of the Bible, the very letters of the Bible, the very dots and and dashes of the Bible. He inspired it all. And so we want to pay close attention to things like this. He could have made it plural, could have said fruits, but he didn't. And that singularity needs to be stressed here. John MacArthur notices this and says, It is important to remember that these are multiple characteristics of but one fruit and therefore are inextricably related to one another. They are not produced, nor can they be manifested in isolation from each other. You catch what he's saying here? That by saying the fruit of the Spirit is these nine things, he's saying these nine things always travel together. It's a package deal. One fruit that has nine aspects, nine characteristics. Tim Keller says it like this. Paul deliberately uses the singular word fruit here to describe a whole list of things that grow in a spirit-filled person. From this, we learn a very important, important point for understanding and discerning the fruit of the Spirit. The real fruit of the Spirit always grow up together. They are one. That is, you do not get one part of the fruit of the Spirit growing without all the parts growing. I was talking about this this week with one of my good friends, and he said it this way. If you have the Spirit there should be a manifestation of all of these things. The fruit of the Spirit is not a smorgasbord where we walk down the line and we say, I'll take the love, I'll take the joy, I'll pass on the patience, give me some kindness. Like we don't get to do it that way. If, he said, if there is a glaring omission of one fruit in your life, maybe patience is a great example of that. If there is a glaring omission and a lack of, and a lack of, um, conviction over that glaring omission, a lack of repentance over that, if there's a glaring lack of one aspect of the fruit, there is a major problem in your life. In other words, he said, we cannot be okay with being impatient. We cannot say, hey, I got eight out of the nine, and impatience is just going to have to go by the wayside. No, it's fruit. The fruit of the Spirit is all of these things. So let's remember that this is one fruit with nine parts that always travel together. So Paul says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We're going to look at those nine things now. And the first thing I want you to notice in the fruit of the Spirit is that love is mentioned first. 
Tom Schreiner says, love is the heart and soul of the Pauline ethic, for it is love that fulfills the law. And he's already said that in the, in the verses we read today. Look at verse 14. Paul says, the whole law is fulfilled in one word in the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. It's no coincidence that he puts love first. Paul will always make love first, right? Now, faith, hope, love, abide these three. And the greatest of these is love. There is an emphasis on love. In fact, it could be argued that these other eight parts of the fruit of the Spirit are just an outworking of love, generally. So let's look at these nine parts of the fruit of the Spirit. Tim Keller does us a, a huge service by giving us some accurate definitions of all nine parts of the fruit of the Spirit. He gives us a definition, and then he gives us the opposite of the fruit, and then he gives us what a counterfeit fruit would look like. And it's so helpful. Let's look at love first. All these will be on the board. Love in our English translations comes from the Greek agape. And maybe you're familiar with this, that in Greek there are multiple words for love. This word for love is like God kind of love. Not brotherly love, not sensual love, but self-sacrificing love that Keller defines this way. This means to serve a person for their good and their intrinsic value, not for what the person brings to you. He says the opposite of love is fear, self-protection, and abusing people. And then he says the counterfeit of this fruit looks like this, selfish affection, to rescue someone but really be rescuing yourself. To be attracted not to a person, but to how this person's love makes you feel about yourself. So that's a counterfeit kind of love, where it's ultimately selfish, not selfless. Agape love is selfless, not selfish. Love, joy, comes from the Greek word kara. It means to delight in God and his salvation for the sheer beauty and worth of who he is. The opposite of joy would be hopelessness and despair. And the counterfeit of joy is what the world has to offer. Elation that comes with blessings, with blessings, not the blesser. Mood swings based on circumstances that we might often call happiness. Happiness being based in your circumstances, but joy is delighting in God and his salvation because of who he is. Peace. That's not Irene. Although if your name is Irene, turns out it means peace, right? Irene is the word. And the definition is confidence and rest in the wisdom and sovereignty of God more than your own. The opposite would be anxiety and worry. The counterfeit would be indifference and apathy. Not caring about something. Basically always saying, I don't care. That's not peace. That's not the fruit of the spirit. That is peace. That is, <laughs> that is irresponsibility. Just saying, I don't care. Just go in with the flow. That's not necessarily peace that comes from the Spirit. Next, he talks about patience, macrothumia. That's the best of the words, by the way. The definition is the ability to take trouble from others or life without blowing up. <laughs> in other words, to suffer joyfully. Think about that next time you're at walk and roll, at the intersection at walk and roll, and that light is red for no reason. No good reason. The ability to take trouble without blowing up. This is <laughs> the opposite of patience is resentment toward God and others. And the counterfeit is cynicism, self-righteousness, 
basically say, this is too small for me to be bothered by. I'm not bothered by it because it's too small for me to be bothered by. That's patience. Kindness. The definition is practical kindness with vulnerability out of deep inner security. The opposite of kindness is envy, being unable to rejoice over someone else's joy. And the counterfeit is manipulative good deeds, the right hand knowing what the left hand is doing. It is this self-congratulations and self-righteousness. It's kindness that you post on Facebook. That's the counterfeit. Goodness or integrity, some of your translations say. The definition is honesty, transparency, being the same in one situation as in another. The opposite of this would be phoniness or hypocrisy. And the counterfeit is truth without love. This idea of I'm going to say this just to get it off my chest for our own sake rather than out of love for the other person. That is not goodness. Next is faithfulness. The definition is loyalty, courage, to be principle-driven, committed, utterly reliable, and true to one's word. The opposite of faithfulness is to be an opportunist, a fair-weather friend. And the counterfeit is love without truth. The opposite of what we just talked about a second ago. Being loyal when you should be willing to confront or challenge. You saw that a little bit of that today in Sunday school, did you not? Paul confronted Peter, even though it was Peter, right? He could have said, oh, I've got too much love and respect for Peter to call him out on this. But it was a gospel issue that was at stake, so he went and called him out in front of everyone. When it comes to faithfulness, the opposite, I mean, when it comes to, yeah, yeah. No, next is gentleness. Sorry, there's a lot here. Gentleness. The definition is self-forgetfulness. The opposite would be superiority, to be self-absorbed or self-aggrandizement. The counterfeit is inferiority, to be self-absorbed and self-conscious. I think this is gold right here. That, that if your version of gentleness is this kind of just, I'm not worth anything, oh, woe is me. If, if that's what you think gentleness looks like, that's counterfeit fruit. That's not the fruit of the Spirit. That's something else that you've produced from your flesh. And then finally, self-control. The definition is the ability to choose the important thing over the urgent thing. That's brilliant right there. The ability to choose the important thing over the urgent thing. The opposite would be a driven, impulsive, uncontrolled person. And the counterfeit is willpower through pride or through more functional idols. This kind of, yes, I will, I will deny myself and look at me and how much I've denied myself. That's not real self-control from the Spirit. So you get a picture of what the fruit looks like? These nine parts of the one fruit? What I want you to see better than the, these definitions is that Jesus is the manifestation of all of this. That Jesus is the picture of the fruit of the Spirit on display. Because Jesus is love, right? He laid down his life for us. No greater love has a man than that, that he would lay down his life for his friends. And Jesus loved us that way, that self-sacrificing love. And Jesus shows us joy. The author of Hebrews says, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despising its shame. And Jesus expresses that he wants us to have fullness of joy. Jesus is referred to as the Prince of Peace. And Jesus is patient, right? One of his best friends was Peter. That takes patience. More than that, he loves me. He's patient with me. Jesus is so patient and kind 
think through the gospel accounts of people bringing sick and dirty folks to Jesus to be ministered to. Think of the children that came to Jesus. Think of the sinners that were brought to him. Jesus shows kindness and goodness. Jesus always spoke the truth, always spoke the truth in love. Jesus was tempted in every way as we are and yet without sin. He displayed goodness and faithfulness. He fulfilled the mission given him by the Father. He set his face for Jerusalem, even when he knew he would be crucified in Jerusalem. He was faithful and gentle. Remember that scene in the upper room when Jesus served his disciples by washing their feet? By girding himself up like the lowest slave and washing their feet? And even Peter objected to this. No, Lord, you don't wash my feet. And Jesus is like, no, no, well, I'll wash your feet. And he says, don't just wash my feet, then wash all of me, right? And Jesus washes his feet. Jesus was gentle and self-control goodness. Jesus was angry multiple times in the New Testament. Jesus gets angry and yet did not sin. And he was tempted in every other way as we are and yet did not sin. Jesus shows us what self-control looks like. So I want you to see those definitions of the fruit of the Spirit are on display in the life of Jesus. So if you want to know what it looks like to live by the Spirit, walk by the Spirit, look at the life of Jesus, not just Tim Keller's definitions. Hear me clearly, Jesus is much more than our example, right? I want to say this often to you, that Jesus is so much more than our example of how we should live. He is our Savior who died on the cross for our sins. He's not just a good teacher. He's not just a prophet. He's not just the one who walked the way we should walk. He's the one who died for us, took our sins upon himself, and suffered the death and wrath and judgment that we deserve. He died for us and rose again. And can save us. Jesus is much more than our example. He's our Messiah. He's our Savior. But he's not less than our example. Right? Even especially those of us who see him as our Savior, our Messiah, our Deliverer, our Lord, would also see him as our example of how to live. And so if I want to know what it looks like to be patient, look at Jesus. And learn from his relationship with Peter in particular about what patience looks like. So, Paul says, but the fruit of the Spirit, fruit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And then he adds this phrase at the end. Against such things, there is no law. That's a pretty interesting statement, isn't it? Against such things, there is no law. Right? There's no law against patience, is there? No law against love. No law against joy. No law against kindness. You will not find a law against any of these things in the Word of God. In fact, what you will find is laws commanding us to do these things. And you will not find a law against the fruit of the Spirit in the law of man either. You will not look at the statutes of Illinois and see laws against love. Laws against joy and peace and patience. You will not see laws against these things. Let me say it like this, because I think this is why he said it to the Galatians. Following Jesus, living by the Spirit, will not put you on the wrong side of the law. In fact, following Jesus will put you on the side of obeying the law. I think, I think part of what's going on in Galatians is these Judaizers were coming to town, and they were saying, listen, if, if you just follow Jesus, you'll be breaking the law. Paul is encouraging you people to break the law. 
to forget about circumcision, to forget about dietary law, and just break the law all the time. And Paul is saying here, no, no, no. I'm telling you, if you follow Jesus, you'll be keeping the law. If you live out love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, you'll be keeping the law. You won't be breaking the law. Don't worry about breaking the law by following Jesus, okay? And if there is some kind of, we won't even go there. If there is some kind of law of man that you would break by following Jesus, feel free to break it. Feel free to break it in your following after Jesus. So here's the application. Two parts of application today. Number one, if you are in Christ, it's a significant clause. If you are in Christ, this is the fruit you will bear. If you are in Christ, this is the fruit you will bear. Let's talk about the indicative side of this. This is the fruit you will bear. This is the fruit of the Spirit. These things will be evident in you if you are in Christ, if you have the Spirit. So the question for application is, is this what your life looks like? That was the question last week, was it not? Is this what your life looks like? Fits of anger, carousing, drunkenness. Is this what your life looks like? Same question today. Is this what your life looks like? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Are those the things that mark your life? If you are in Christ, this is the fruit you will bear. Maybe the second part of the question is, not only is this what your life looks like, are these things growing in your life? Are you more patient today than you were last week? Yes, because of the stoplight at walk and roll. Like that's, that's I've got to reorient my life constantly when I get stuck at that thing to say, this is God's way to grow patience in me. He would not be doing me any favors to give me green lights all the time. I want to grow. I want to be more patient today than I was yesterday. More kind today than I was yesterday. Is the fruit of the Spirit growing in your life? If it's not, your tree's not healthy. Something's wrong deep down. And so let's look at these things to see if they are true in our lives. Because if we are in Christ, this is the fruit we will bear. That's application number one. Examine your life. Application number two is the more active side of all of this. If you are in Christ, bear this fruit. If you are in Christ, bear this fruit. Put these things on. By the Spirit, live out love, joy, peace, patience, on and on. Pursue these things in your pursuit of Christ-likeness. In other words, pursue growth. Always be pursuing growth. Don't just say, I was patient once. Check. I was kind 20 years ago. Check. Like That's not the way the inspection of the fruit of the Spirit goes. Rather, pursue growth in all of these things. Am I more patient today than I was yesterday? That's the better question. John Newton, an old songwriter, said it like this. This will be on the screen about the growth of this fruit that we want to be looking for. He says, I am not what I ought to be. You with him on that? I'm not what I ought to be. Ah, how imperfect and deficient. I am not what I wish to be. You with him on that? I'm not what I wish to be. I abhor what is evil and I would cleave to what is good. He says, I am not what I hope to be. Soon, soon I shall put off mortality and with mortality all sin and imperfection. And then he says, yet, though I am not what I ought to be, nor what I wish to be, nor what I hope to be, I can truly say, 
I am not what I once was. I am not what I once was, a slave to sin and Satan, and I can heartily join with the apostle and acknowledge, by the grace of God, I am what I am. By the grace of God, I am what I am, not what I used to be. I am not what I used to be, not what I'm going to be. I am what I am by the grace of God. So two applications today. Examine yourself to see if these, if this fruit, these aspects of the fruit of the Spirit are evident in your life because if you are in Christ, this is the fruit you will bear and more actively bear this fruit. Live it out. Put it on. Pursue it. Pursue this growth. And as you pursue that growth by your energy, you will be energized by the Spirit. You will not be on your own as you pursue growth in these areas. You'll be empowered by the Lord himself. Let's stand together and pray. God, I pray that you will help those of us who claim to be in Christ to examine our lives for the fruit of the Spirit. To see if this is what our life looks like. To see if the fruit is growing in our lives. And God, we pray that you will help those of us who claim to be in Christ to bear this fruit. To put on love. To by the Spirit live out joy and peace to pursue these things in our pursuit of Christ likeness and to be empowered by you in the process but God we recognize that there are many in this room who are not in Christ they will will not bear this fruit and they cannot bear this fruit because they do not have the spirit only you can change that only you and rescue them. And so we pray that you would do it by your grace, that you would teach men and women and boys and girls about their sin, about your justice, that you would break them through the power of the Spirit and conviction, and that in the brokenness, you would turn their eyes to see Jesus dying in their place. Pray that you would give them faith trust in Jesus for salvation and repentance to turn away from sin and walk with Jesus in faithfulness. And I pray that you would do this for your own sake, for your own name, so that you will get the worship that you deserve. In Christ's name we pray.